today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. To the Ephesians, he says that Satan is like this lion. He stalks his prey. And he's looking for an optimum time to attack. And he's very patient, by the way. And he studies us, and the original language, it carries with it the idea of like a military strategist. You know those old World War II photos where you have the, you know, the military, they're studying the map and they're, they're strategizing. That's what the enemy does with the map of your Christian life. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Thessalonians. The enemy of your soul wants to steal and destroy the hope you have in Christ. He wants to lead you into fear, confusion, and doubt. Yet as Pastor J.D. will remind you, God understands your despair and doubt. He's never going to let you go. He'll always bring you back if you seek Him in a faith crisis. Don't let the enemy steal your hope. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Isn't it interesting that they would draw that conclusion wrongly but that they would still draw that conclusion. Okay, so if we're in the tribulation, that means we missed the rapture, which tells me they knew that the rapture had to happen before the tribulation, because if they were already in the tribulation and the rapture had to happen before the tribulation, they missed the rapture. Please tell me that made sense, because (laughs) in other words, they knew. Wait, wait, we're in the tribulation? The rapture has to happen first. That means we missed the rapture if we're in the tribulation. Which means they knew that the rapture had to happen before the seven-year tribulation. Pastor, why are you harping on this? Because, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I've had to settle this myself. (laughs) Talk more about that in a moment. Stay with me. There's nothing new under the sun. Jesus said that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, in that order. Interesting. Uh, But Jesus says, I have come that you might, might have life and life more abundantly. What's he saying? He's saying that we have an enemy, Satan. What is his sole goal? His sole goal is to steal from us that which is ours. Oh, what's he going to steal? He's not going to steal your car. What's he going to do with your car? He doesn't need a car. He's not going to steal your credit card. He's not going to steal your ID. I mean, what's he going to do with that? So what is it, pray tell, that Satan wants to steal? Oh, he wants to steal your hope, namely the blessed hope that we have. Because if he can succeed in stealing our hope, then confusion and fear will always ensue. So how's he going to do that? Well, he's the author of confusion, isn't he? He's the father of lies and the accuser of the brethren. So wouldn't it stand 
to reason. I mean, we're, we're basically already told what his strategies are. I think about the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians, and he tells them, don't be ignorant about the wiles of the devil, the, the devices of Satan. To the Ephesians, he says that Satan is like this lion. He stalks his prey. And he's looking for an optimum time to attack. And he's very patient, by the way. And he studies us. And the original language, it carries with it the idea of like a military strategist. You know, those old World War II photos where you have the, you know, the military, they're studying the map and they're, they're strategizing. That's what the enemy does with the map of your Christian life. And he's studying you and he's stalking you and he's, he's looking for that, that opportunity, that optimum time and point. And he knows, and he studies the weakness, the weak areas. So he knows if you're wishy-washy in some area, that's where he's going to attack. That's where he's going to sow the seeds of confusion and plant a spirit of fear. One of the most successful strategies of Satan, if I can say it that way, is to sow seeds of doubt. Again, I have to confess that I'm not exempt. I have to say that as I've seen all of this unfold, I've, I've had to step back and just, you know, make wait, so okay, I better make sure that, you know, I'm sound in this and settled in this. I can't be wishy-washy. I, I made that comment and we had an online member said, I'm not wishy-washy, I'm watchy-watchy. <laughs> Lest one come down too hard on someone or even yourself, think about John the Baptist. No greater than John the Baptist, Jesus said. But there he sits in prison, and that's where he will remain until they kill him. And sitting there, he begins to doubt, so much so that he sends a message to Jesus just to make sure. And the question is basically, Here's the doubt. Are you? This is John the Baptist. Are you kidding me? And even he could start doubting and fearing. Are you the Savior or is there another coming after you? I think it was Oswald Chambers that said it, if I'm not mistaken. God never faults a man for despair. I would add that God never faults a man for doubt. He understands. We are but dust. <laughs> he, he knows. He, he, he's so gentle, patient, kind, long-suffering. <laughs> and so there are going to be those times of doubt, and there are certain things that can shake you. And you can have what is affectionately referred to as a crisis of faith. And it's at that time that you better get into the Word and the Word into you and settle it. Because the longer it takes, the more opportunity you give to the enemy to wreak havoc in your Christian life. 
Example, and this is confession time. So I got an email uh, from, actually, <laughs> two emails <laughs> from local members. You know, you know that uh, it's a Turkish proverb. It says, uh, when one man calls you a donkey, pay no attention. When two men call you a donkey, get a saddle. You should see how many saddles I have. But uh, the point is, is, as Scripture says, you know, let everything be established in the presence of two or more witnesses. Anyway, so I get, when I got it the second time, I thought, maybe I need to talk about this. And So anyway, here's an email <laughs> locally uh, about signing up for the Hawaii Contact Tracing Program. Now, if you've been attending for any length of period of time or following, especially the <laughs> updates as of late, you know about this. It's called TRACE, Test, Reach, and Contact Everyone, T-R-A-C-E, Contact Tracing. So we're going to test everyone. Oh, you are? Yeah. You're going to come knocking on my door? Yeah. Do you have people to do that? We're, we're recruiting right now. This is the, this is, <laughs> and I guess it pays well. Okay, why am I sharing this? Because I, again, I have to confess, when I, when I first saw this, I thought, oh no, it's happening. Lord, come now before they, knock on my door. And the Lord's like, what are you, what are you doing? I don't know. Are you, are you doubting? Yes. Are you fearful? I don't know. Maybe. I don't, I don't want to be tested. You know that when they say there's X number of new cases tested positive for COVID-19. Really? Okay. What does that mean? <laughs> So you tested positive. Oh, oh, by the way, <laughs> there's uh, something called false positive. That, in fact, there's m- many reports about the tests themselves being flawed. So, and also, let's just say for purpose of discussion that you test positive. You feel fine. And you look good too. <laughs> you look marvelous. But apparently you have COVID-19. You're asymptomatic. Okay, what does that mean? That means we're going to trace you and track you for the rest of your life. That's what it means. Pastor, come on. Do you think you're kind of getting a little carried away here? No, that's exactly what this means. Well, isn't the Lord going to come back before? Well, that's what I'm confessing. The enemy was right there putting thoughts of fear in my mind about when they come knocking on my door. And then the Lord reminded me that even if they do prior to the rapture, I have nothing to fear because it means a sooner rapture. Let me say the same thing again. I've settled this. The rapture has to happen before the seven-year tribulation. That's a game changer. I can get tested. I might even test positive. 
but I will not be here when the mark of the beast is forced on everyone, Revelation 13, great and small, poor and rich. I will not be here. And knowing that and having that settled, I mean, when I say game changer, that's an understatement because it just settles the matter. Test me all you want. Track me all you want. Do whatever you want. But it's not going to be very much longer. In fact, (laughs) it's going to be actually, because of this, sooner. That just means it's sooner. Why am I so sure? Because I've settled this. What, I'm going to be like the Thessalonian Christians? Oh, we're in the tribulation. This is the tribulation. We missed the rapture. Maybe the rapture doesn't happen before the seven-year tribulation. No. Do not be easily unsettled or alarmed. Let me take it a step further. Don't let the enemy get away with that. Don't let him steal your hope. He wants to do that. Because if he can get away with that, Man, he's got you right where he wants you. And then, let's just even take it further. Just give me a a moment and stay with me on this. So what happens now? Let's just say that as a Christian, I am given over to now the doubt, the confusion, the fear. He's stolen my hope and my joy and my peace with it. What kind of an advertisement am I for Jesus Christ now? How about that unbelieving friend, co-worker, neighbor, family member looking at me going, dude, well, or dudette, whatever the, you know, what's the matter? I mean, you're just as afraid as they are, if not more so. How are you going to be light? How are you going to give to everyone the answer of that hope that lies within you? The world right now is I mean, begging for answers. They want to see a Christian who is settled in a world that is unsettled. I'm losing my voice, so I'll stop yelling, and I'll close with Titus 2. Oh, my goodness. You know what? Can you turn there, please? I just want to read verses 11 through 15. I can't even begin to tell you how much I needed to revisit this particular passage here in God's Word. And I hope that you'll be as encouraged and reignited as I was by this. Verse 11, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Okay, verse 12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Hang on to verse 13. We'll get there in a second. Paul and John both echoed this. John says it this way, the one who has this hope of his soon appearing purifies himself, gets his affairs in order. Paul, writing to the Romans chapter 13, says, 
Our salvation draws nearer. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation. Paul says it is nearer now than it ever has been. It's time to wake up. Wake up from your spiritual slumber and put off the deeds of darkness and put on righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In other words, this is, this is another, oh, how many years ago now? Nine years, my goodness. Uh, 2011, I did a seven-week series on why the rapture has to happen before the seven-year tribulation, and this was one of the reasons. Because the one who has this hope purifies himself. It has a profound impact on how we live our lives in this world. In other words, if I live my life knowing that Jesus could come at any time, <laughs> I mean, that changes everything, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I better get my affairs in order, because it could happen at any time. I always have to be ready. Oil in my lamp. I always have to be watching because I don't want, as we read in Revelation, when he does come, I think it's the, I forget which church it is of the seven churches, but if you don't wake up, (laughs) when I do come, it will be for you as a thief in the night. Here, Here was this church that was asleep. You say, wake up and look up. Because your redemption draws nigh. Jesus is coming. And that should have such a powerful and profound impact on how we live our lives. I think about that parable in Matthew 24. And we'll get to verse 13. Hang on. Matthew 24, the end of the chapter. Jesus teaches this parable about, in contrast, these two servants, one is wicked, one is righteous. And the common denominator is the master says, hey, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. And uh, so (laughs) when I come back, you need to be found faithful doing that which I've called you to do. And the difference between the two servants was one of them thought, hey, he could come back at any time. And then he was busy about the things of, of God and his master. And so when his master did come, He was not caught off guard. It was not as a thief in the night. When his master did come, he found him faithful, doing that which he was called to do. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. The words that we all long to hear enter in. Well done. What about the other servant? Oh, that's a whole different story. By contrast, that servant said to himself, this was his mindset, he's not coming back right now. This was his mindset. Everybody thought that it was going to be in their lifetime. Nah, he, he, he delays his coming. He's not coming back. I got plenty time. And what do we read about that servant who does not live with that expectation that his master could return at any time? party on. He eats with gluttons, drinks with drunkards, beats his fellow servants, and he parties like there's no tomorrow. (laughs) No worry, no hurry. 
And then when the master returns, it's at an hour he expected not, and he is cast into outer darkness. It's quite chilling, I have to say. That was the contrast between the two. The one who expected his master to return was the one whose life was evidence of it. You know, the Christian that is on fire for the Lord, living their life for the Lord right now in these times, and doing well, boating well, faring well, is the Christian that knows that the Lord's return is at the door. Now, verse 13. So he says we're going to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait. I don't like that word. For the blessed hope. What is the blessed hope? Glad you asked, because he's going to answer it right now. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The appearing, not the coming. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. Can I add lawlessness, please? I just did. And to purify, there it is for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority, and do not let anyone despise you. That's another topic for another time. It's like Paul saying in 1 Thessalonians 4, after he says that the rapture, is going to happen when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up, raptured up, harpazo in the Greek, rapturous in the Latin. And then we're going to be, meet the Lord in the air. And then when he gets done talking about the rapture, he says, therefore, and whenever you read the word therefore, it's there for a reason. I know that's deep. Therefore. <laughs> encourage one another with these words. Settle this matter, and you'll be encouraged. If it's not settled, you're going to be unsettled, and you're going to be alarmed, and you're going to be discouraged, and that discouragement will give way to despair. It is so important. I don't know that there's ever been a time in our lifetime where this has been as important as it is today. This world is a dark and depressing place at times. There's no denying it. But there is light. There is hope. That hope is Jesus. Jesus is alive and is going to return to earth one day to rid it of evil forever. You can trust this. He's always been faithful and he always will be. Until he returns, though, Jesus has commissioned his followers to be his hands and feet right here in the middle of the darkness. Being a Christian is more than just words. It's actions as well. As you've learned in this study of 2 Thessalonians, every believer is called to live a godly life following that example that Jesus set long ago. 
You're asked to live selflessly, showing love in practical ways to others. This will be a witness to the world of the hope that exists in Christ. We're so glad you tuned in to In Spirit and Truth. We know that following Jesus isn't always easy. Sometimes it can be intimidating to share the gospel. With that in mind, we'd like to offer a simple guide that will help the ABCs of salvation. You can find these on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just take a look at the resources tab. This will explain why it's so important to put your faith in Jesus and how easy it is to start a relationship with Him. We pray this is an asset as you shine for Jesus and share His hope. If you'd like more information about In Spirit and Truth or would like to connect with us, visit inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find more of Pastor J.D.'s messages there, too, and service times if you'd like to join us for church at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. La, la, la.